Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Horticulture Week editor Matthew Appleby, and today I'm with Flowers from the Farm co-chair Meg Edmonds. So, welcome, Meg. Hello, Matthew. Hi, lovely to be here. Brilliant. So, welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. Now, Meg, you've been extremely busy recently covering lots of shows, but before we get on to that, can you tell me a bit about your business? I hear you're within sight of the lovely Malvern Hills. Yes, that's right, Matt, yes. Um, I'm one of those uh, very lucky people that lives uh, right in the middle of the country in uh, Worcestershire in the uh, uh, sort of the West Midlands and um, I have a fantastic view towards the west to, uh, towards the Malvern Hills um, from my uh, kitchen window so I do feel very lucky but um, it's a great part of the country for um, farming and uh, a very mixed um, area as I, I'm sure you'll be aware so uh, yeah it's a great place to, to live and, and to work. No, I used to live around there years ago. So it's the Roots Family Farm Shop. That's right. So you, you, you're a, you're a proper farmer. So you're not just flowers from the farm. You, you farm lots of other things too. <laughs> yes, that's uh, that's what I like. I think my husband would like to think that uh, we are proper farmers. <laughs> yes. So we um, we're quite a small farm. We're about um, two hundred acres, um, a mixed organic farm. Um, my husband and I have been here for just over 20 years now, um, picking up um, the family farming business. Um, we're the third generation here. And um, I think, uh, you know, straight away, those challenges 20 years ago were about how we could um, continue to make a living from what is, a, you know, a relatively small farm. But um, very, very close to lots of chimney pots. Um, which was the thing that my husband and I kind of recognised straight away, really. Um, and so that gives us opportunities for diversification at many different levels. Um, and that's, uh, that, that's where we sort of kicked off. All right. Well, it sounds idyllic to me. So what, what prompted you to decide to, to cut flower farm? So cut flowers for us um, were something that we had interest in 
as I said, just um, around about 20 years ago, we um, began a farm shop in our village, um, which was about being able to sell um, produce from our farm. Um, at, at the time, it was, it was about um, meat and, and vegetables um, direct to the final consumer. And um, we had a chance to take up this uh, the, the farm shop site where um, a gentleman was already growing um, cut flowers, in fact, um, sweet peas, um, filling several polytunnels full of uh, commercially grown cordon um, uh, varieties, which was, um, which was great. Um, part of us taking on the farm shop site was that we would learn how to grow these incredible flowers. So that's sort of where it all started. I have to say we carried on with that for a couple of years and um, discovered that managing uh, cut flowers at that sort of level along with a very young family was a bit tricky. So um, we put it aside and um, really coming back to cut flowers now in about 2017 um, with a very different look at growing um, a mix. Uh, range of flowers and foliage rather than just one single variety uh, is what's helped us to come back into the cut flower market um, and of course our connection with lots of consumers who are looking to buy local um, seasonal um, and of course that all adds up to a far more su sustainable approach um, to, uh, to farming and, and what people can buy. So what are the challenges for producing cut flowers where you are? Um, the challenges are um, mixed. I mean, we are lucky to have quite good soil where we are. Um, and as organic farmers, our focus is very much um, on building, of course, the organic matter in the soil. That's where all our, um, our, our sort of uh, our business comes from. It's all about the soil. Um, and climate change is, is uh, undoubtedly a challenge. Um, you know, water um, is something that we've worked hard to think about for our farm and to build um, water storage over the winter in, in large sort of lakes uh, that we can then use for irrigation in the summer so that we're not reliant on um, mains and that sort of thing. Um, so I think that, you know, there are challenges for us, but I think they are challenges for agricultural businesses generally, and we are meeting those in a, in a, um, uh, by covering lots of different uh, aspects in our farming system. What about finding a market at the uh, you know the seasonal times of year that you produce? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think our market has. Um, it, 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 we're in a situation where we are obviously trying to focus towards the final consumer for those flowers. So I'm um, talking about mixed bouquets. Um, for us to um, expand further, um, my husband and I are um, now looking at the opportunity, and I think there is an opportunity there, to grow on a slightly larger scale and to um, wholesale into uh, florist or event um, organised, that sort of thing. Within our vicinity, I, I'm not really talking about um, you know, shipping stuff to London from here. I'm talking about into uh, central Birmingham um, for hotel uh, events, that sort of thing. Because I think there is um, there's certainly a change um, in the marketplace that, that we are seeing. And I think that um, we, we feel that if we can just... Um, I think we're, we're emerging from this sort of lockdown period um, when people are starting maybe to question even more um, 
where they put the money um, and, uh, and, and what they can do with it and what they, who they can support. So I should have asked, what do you actually grow? What, you, what blooms do you produce? Um, so I can give you an example of what we've got going just at the moment. Um, at the moment, we're sort of into high summer, so I've got things like um, delphiniums, um, antirhinums. Um, my dahlias are just about to start, which is quite uh, it's quite early um, for me, but yeah, I'm going to have a go. Um, we've got things like um, Achilles and scabious and those sort of perennial um, crops, which are, are great in our um, field and our mix okay. We're growing quite a few um, annual varieties of um, things that people might see in their, their gardens and meadows, things like cornflowers, um, which are very popular. And I think probably reminiscent to people of their gardens or of people that they know with gardens, which makes the flowers very attractive. Um, Yes, I'm trying to think what other sorts of things. Lots quite, of things out there. Quite, there's quite a range. That's quite a lot. I mean, what advice would you give to people who want to get into it? Is there any sort of key advice which you can sort of deal out? Yeah, um, I think, um, you know, start, start small. Don't be overambitious. Um, connect with people. That will probably be one of my biggest pieces of advice. Um, we've found that um, y- y- connecting with other uh, local businesses, um, making connections, of course, with the people that are going to buy your flowers um, week in, week out. It's amazing where opportunity comes from. Um, and that really brings it back to, you know, flowers from the farm and, and what we do. And, and, you know, our sort of mission is to provide this spirit of coordination and, and mutual benefit, really. And I think that that's what I would suggest anyone starting out to um, try to get involved in a network you know, light chaps in the farm, where they will meet other people who have been through the same sort of challenges and can support them. No, indeed. Um, now, I know you've been at the Malvern Show this year, you were at Hampton Court quite recently, um, but you've got a big event coming up in August, so can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, that's right, we have. Um, so this is the Flower Farmers Big Weekend. Um, it's our fourth annual um, Flower Farmers Big Weekend from the 5th to the 7th of August this year. And uh, the idea really is that over those few days, um, flower farmers are throwing open their, their gates and um, inviting people onto farms. Uh, it's really about boots on the ground. Um, and we're trying to encourage people to connect locally with people that are growing flowers and foliage. So right down from the sort of the, the, the typical mall up to the, the north of Scotland, um, around about 100 members of Flowers from the Farm will be involved, and um, you'll be invited to go on tours. Um, there's all sorts of different plots to see. There's fields and farms like my own, or there's uh, walled gardens, allotments. Uh, a few back gardens where people are, are cutting, um, maybe a chance to pick your own flowers and really connect. Um, it's a really exciting few days when uh, the general public can really get out there and, and meet their local flower farmer. Sounds very exciting. Um, now tell me a little bit about um, how Hampton and, and Malvern went for you. What were you getting up to? Uh, first of all, at Hampton, I know you had uh, a sort of school there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yes, yes. So um, at the beginning of the year, we were thinking about um, the best way to approach um, getting this 
encourage people to find their local flower farmer. Um, and we were lucky because um, the RHS were looking for um, support with a couple of their, their shows. Um, and of course, Mob was on my back doorstep. So uh, when the call came through um, to whether we'd be interested in doing something there, we thought this was a great opportunity to start and see see what we could do, see if we could connect with some people. And um, over uh, over the few days of the show, we met all sorts of um, customers who who really um, were keen to find out where they could get flowers in, in this area. We took it to another level with Hampton Court, as you, uh, as you referred to our flower school. Uh, so the idea there being that we could actually um, teach some skills so um, through a series of demonstrations, um, some, uh, including some uh, celebrity work, we could um, show some great um, flower arranging, um, but also making little buttonholes or floral jewellery with customers uh, who were coming along and could wear a, a flower on their hat um, to share really in this, uh, this joy of local seasonal uh, scented flowers. Brilliant. Now, what are the sort of uh, criticisms, maybe? I don't know if you could use that word, is is that it's kind of, don't, don't, don't bite my head off here, but people say that, you know, it, it's just a hobby. You know, people aren't making a full living out of this. Is it possible to make a living out of, out of being a, a cut flower farmer? Yeah, I, I, I've heard the, uh, I've heard it, uh, <laughs> you know, being banded around. I mean, I have to speak from my own experience, which is about, um, you know, just being a part of my farm diversification. Um, you know, I've talking to my husband about it. We were trying to sort of put some figures on it because it is something that we do get asked about. Um, and we think that probably, um, you know, if we took our, our retail business, if you like, what we produce on our farm is probably represents about 30% of our retail business directly back to the farm. We think that maybe... I think probably about um, 25% of that is down to flowers. I think, you know, it, there is a business there. And I think that um, particularly if you are, um, you, if you're keen to um, make relationships within your local business community, um, I think there's actually really quite a lot of opportunity there. Um, certainly there's enough for us to um, be looking at expanding what we're doing. Um, as part of our farm business, but um, yeah, I think that um, one of the one of the points we were thinking about was that actually it's very accessible. So if you were coming into this and you want to um, set up a business, you don't actually have to be working off a huge area, um, and you could be relatively urban as well, which means that you're really close to those customers who want to spend money with you. Um, so I think that there is an opportunity there. And I think, you know, we are making money. Um, we're you know, protecting our farm for the future by um, keeping it healthy um, financially. And, um, yeah, we wouldn't be doing it unless uh, it was worth doing. No, brilliant. Um, you know, certainly that was, seems to be one of the big appeals, that there is the opportunity to have a go, possibly with not a big startup cost. And you're also quite into sort of diversity and spreading the message and getting businesses out to people who you wouldn't generally expect to be uh, cut flower farmers. So can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think uh, that, that's a, a really good point, that 
um, you know, cloud farming is for everyone. Um, it doesn't matter um, where you come from. Um, and one of the things that Cloud Human Farm has done um, is to sponsor what we call our diversity scholarship um, group. And, um, and that way we can help to introduce um, members of the community into flower farming who might not have thought of having a go. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're really keen and through our network to not just um, uh, to, to actually use the experience of um, our members to help support um, younger folks coming into, um, into the work business, um, whether they are from a farming background or not. Um, I think if they have an interest in horticulture and an interest in um, making the business work, um, then there, there is plenty of opportunity. Indeed. And you've got a big reach as well on social media. We did a list of top social media people in horticulture and you came 34th or something like that with nearly 50,000 Instagram followers. So how do you manage to get such a, <laughs> a big social media following? Yeah, oh, well, that's grand. I, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. That sounds like really good news. Um, you know, I wonder whether it's to do with the connection with stories. And I think that people, and I don't mean stories in a, a social media sense word. I, I think, and, you know, just reflecting on um, the, um, just reflecting on how my business has developed in 20 years. Um, I know that if I can let my customers see a bit of my story or if I can let my customers um, into a bit of what I'm doing week by week, um, it really does help to um, make them feel more connected to where, uh, from my point of view, from my farm shop point of view, where their produce is coming, from a flower farmer's point of view, you know, where are those flowers coming from? So I know that our, our social media, and particularly our, our Instagram, um, you know, we, we have a, a different member who takes on that Instagram each week, and they tell a story. They tell a story through the week um, of what they're doing, how they're doing it, things that happen to them along the way. And I think that really does, um, you know, have an impact. And I think that people are, are genuinely interested in, in what they're doing. That's brilliant marketing. Now, one other question I want to ask you is about managing risk. It's been very hot recently, but the UK is not known for that. It's known for having very variable weather. So how do you manage the risk to a harvest? Do you build polytunnels or, or do you sort of spread spread the load out of a wider season? Or, or what do you do in case of crop failure? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. And from a, you know, a, a purely farming point of view, that's obviously something that we'd be very concerned with. But... Um, Surely that's where we sort of come into our own as, as mixed farmers. Um, you know, I'm a mixed flower farmer, so I have lots of different uh, crops all at once, some of which will be more vulnerable than others. Um, and I think that that's the way probably we, um, you know, we can remain competitive. Um, yes, we do have polytunnels on, on our farm, um, so I am able to extend my season um, a little earlier and a little later. Um, but of course, planting something in a polytunnel when it's going to be 35 degrees outside is, uh, you know, you, you're taking chances there as well. So I think, um, you know, it, it is probably about a mix, um, uh, a, a variety of 
um, species, um, some that will do better than others. Um, but I think also encouraging our customers to see the joy in how the seasons move. And in the same way that we, um, we, we think about seasonal food, you know, we, we'd need to start thinking about seasonal flowers. And so once um, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the spring flower season is over, we let it be and we move on to the summer flowers and so on and so forth. And I think that helps us to, um, yeah, spread our risk, I guess. Now, Flowers from the Farm estimates that 85% of the UK population are now within 30 miles of a flower farmer. But how big can you grow? How, how, how close can you get to that population? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that, um, that figure comes back to the fact that, you know, we, we can take our flowers into relatively small urban spaces. Um, we're not talking about farming, you know, 100 acres at once, and, and that's that's probably why that you know we're we're poised to be able to um, you know to be able to really connect people to British flowers, British seasonal flowers. Um, and that sort of answers the question a little bit. I'm um, thinking, you know, as a farmer, you know, I'm I'm going to struggle to take uh, 20 acres of carrots into uh, the city centre. <laughs> but um, you know, I I could run an allotment um, pretty successfully with a variety of, of flowers throughout most of the year. No, no, indeed. So is, 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 is the sky the, sky's the limit about the number of flower, flower farmers there could be, you know, in, in urban areas and in the country and just everywhere in the UK? There's certainly room for plenty more. Um, um, we in the UK, and I'm certainly as um, flowers from the farm, um, we are the biggest um, sort of organisation that's, uh, that, that's supporting um, flower farmers in, in Europe. Um, I was part of the European conference at the beginning of the year where we were talking about similar artisan groups um, in, uh, you know, in Germany and, and uh, Italy and, and France. Um, and they are probably five years old as opposed to us being sort of 10, 11 years old um, and maybe just a couple of hundred um, growers. But um, you know, we're nearly a thousand growers now and I, I could see that becoming quite a lot more fairly quickly. That's really good news. Now, that's all been fantastic, Meg, but we always finish up at the Hort Week podcast by asking our guests what their favourite plant is. What plant or flower would you take to a desert island? So, Oh, <laughs> that's a really good one. Um, okay, well, I think probably I would have to go for something. Because of my food background, I'm always a bit tempted to have something that I can both smell, look at because it's beautiful and I can eat it. <laughs> um, I tell you what I've been growing the last uh, the last the three, four years now really successfully um, for both forestry and for food, and this might be a surprise to a lot of people, is basil. <laughs> wow. um, so we grow a number of different herbs on the farm here, but basil really is my favourite and uh, there's a number of different varieties which you can um, you obviously use um, from a culinary point of view. But if you just leave them to mature a little, um, you can get super lovely long stems of uh, a wonderfully scented and attractive um, plant, uh, which you can drop a tiny bit into a bouquet or into uh, bud bars. Uh, and it smells beautiful, looks beautiful, and you can eat it. <laughs> so there you go. It would be special.
superb, the versatile basil plant. Now, watch out for the Flower Farmer's Big Weekend on the 5th to the 7th of August. And thanks very much to Meg Edmonds from Flowers from the Farm. I'm Matthew Appleby, Horticulture Week editor. And make sure you never miss a Horticulture Week podcast. Subscribe to or follow Horticulture Week podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. So once again, thanks to Meg and goodbye until next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.